chapter number three. First Timothy chapter number three. As we come to the word of God this morning, and we're praying and asking God to, to do a work in our lives. Of course, Christmas is, it can be many things to many people, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem that way at times? Oftentimes, I mentioned last week, sometimes Christmas amplifies problems uh, in our own lives, uh, maybe a lack or an abundance of certain things, but we're very thankful for what Christmas is. And uh, may I just tell you, we don't worship the day, we worship the Lord of the day. And, uh, you know, just like the pictures I'll show you uh, you tonight, more pictures from the Holy Land. I I encourage you to come. Uh, Here's my plug for the evening, but... You know, we don't worship the place. Some go to Israel and worship the places. But we go and worship the God of the place. And we're very thankful for what the Lord has, has taught us and what God has given us. But as we come to 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, you may be wondering what in the world we're doing in 1 Timothy. It's not a Christmas passage. There's no mention of wise men. Uh, there's no mention uh, of... A manger, per se. There's no mention of of all of the the things surrounding uh, the crucifixion, but there is. It's one of the most concisely stated truths concerning Jesus Christ in all of God's Word. And as we come this morning to the Bible, I want to encourage you to, to forget about the festivities of the season and focus on, on Christ. And as we stand this morning, we're going to read here just two verses this morning, uh, beginning in verse number 15, for, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Let's all stand together as you read here in God's Word. 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse number 15, the Bible says this, But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Father, we're thankful for Jesus Christ today. Lord, many uh, worship uh, this time of year in general, just do different things. But Lord, we become so enamored uh, by the festivities and the traditionalism that we we lose sight of of what we're celebrating uh, during the Christmas season. Lord, in just two weeks, we'll gather as a church on Christmas morning and remember what you did. And Father, what you did is highlighted here in these verses of Scripture. And Lord, we, you know, for lack of better understanding, perhaps, Lord, we we remember this time of year to help us understand the great lengths you went to redeem us from our sin. And so, Father, today we pray that you would open our eyes and and teach us great and mighty things from thy law. Father, that you would encourage our hearts in the Lord, remind us of who you are and what you've done and what we have to look forward to. 
Lord, we pray that you would speak to us and challenge us. And Lord, this morning again, if there's someone here today who's lost, we pray that today they would be saved, that your spirit would work in their life, drawing them to you. But Father, in in the Christian life today, Lord, in my life, and all of us who know you, may we become more grounded and established in the facts we'll see here today. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd I'd like to draw your attention to what the Bible says in verse number 16. The Bible says, Great is the mystery of godliness. Great is the mystery of godliness. And as what is what is the mystery of godliness? We know the word mystery to mean something that, that is previously unknown. For instance, the church is a mystery in that in the Old Testament there's no reference to the church. But in the New Testament, Christ establishes the church and makes the promise, even as we saw last Sunday night, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here's another mystery that we find. And may I tell you, all the mysteries of God in the New Testament, they surround one truth. And it's the truth of Jesus Christ and the gospel message. Something that was previously unknown that God has revealed. And now he makes the statement here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. Great is the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness is the revelation of godliness as incarnated in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to look with me if you would please. In, uh, in, all the way back in John chapter number 1. John, chapter number 1. As John is writing to the world, conveying the truth of Jesus' deity, that he, is, that he is the God, that he left, that he stepped out of eternity into time, became man, died for man, rose again from the dead, and offers salvation to all who will come to him by faith. But he makes a statement here and. In in John chapter 1, in verse number 14, the Bible says this, notice, he says, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What What an amazing statement John makes here. That the Lord became flesh. What he's saying here, that he tabernacled himself among us. Uh, The the word, uh, the expression, became flesh, it really means, uh, don't worry, I'm going to put my jacket back on. But it means to be robed in. Just like I'm going to robe myself in this jacket, God robed himself in humanity. He became man without ceasing to be God. He is 100% God. He's 100% man. But he became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so now Paul writes, he says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. That Jesus became man. 
Christians, what is Christmas about? It's about our God leaving eternity, becoming man. That he might man redeem. I want you to look at what the Bible says. Again, we reference this passage uh, often, pardon the redundancy. But I want you to look at Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter 2. We read here another expression of this great mystery of godliness. Jesus is described here by the apostle, and he makes a statement in verse number 5. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And we, we looked at that on Thursday evening in our Bible study. Jesus is equal with God, because he is God. In John chapter 1, the Bible says, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. We're told throughout the New Testament that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's the image of the invisible God. And as we, as we read here, Jesus, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Notice what the Bible says. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. I want you to look back here in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and notice what Paul writes in verse number 15. So oftentimes we read verse 15, we study verse 15 alone, and we give no thought to what precedes or what follows uh, this, this great statement of concerning the church and the truth that we are the protectors of. Notice what he says in verse 15. He says, But if I tarry long, that thou knowest how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. May I ask you a question this morning? And this is an age-old question. What is truth? Plato asked it. Aristotle asked it. And Pontius Pilate, as he, as he had Christ brought before him uh, in, in, uh, in the trial pending Jesus' crucifixion, asked Jesus the same thing. What is truth? truth. The truth is without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. Yeah, that, that God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. May I tell you that that is truth? Yeah, 
the Word of God is truth. You and I are to stand uh, for truth. God has entrusted the truth to us. The world is constantly seeking to change the truth and, and to dumb it down, to alter the truth. But may I tell you, truth is always truth. In a world that, where there is no absolutes, so we're told, there is truth. You can find it. God has given it to us. You hold it in your hands this morning. If you don't, I encourage you to reach down in front of you. There's a copy of the truth right in front of you in the, in the pew behind you. And you can hold the truth in your hand today. Because even in Romans chapter number 1, we're told that the world seeks to change the truth into a lie. And in doing so, they begin to worship and serve the, crea- the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. But truth is always truth, isn't it? Truth is truth even if I don't like it. Truth is truth if it's comfortable or uncomfortable. Truth is always truth. Truth never changes. There is absolute today. And you and I as a church have been given this mighty responsibility of being the pillar and ground of the truth. In a world today that is searching for answers, in a world that is looking for for meaning, when, when people are looking for purpose, searching for hope, looking for reason, they can't find it in a nightclub. You can't buy it in Walmart. You can't order it off of Amazon. but you can find it in a Bible-believing church. May I tell you, unfortunately, you can't always find truth in a quote-unquote church. That's right. Amen. But may I tell you, you can find truth here. And it's not about me, it's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ, it's about the Word of God, it's about the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we consider This mystery of godliness this morning, the Bible says it's without controversy. I don't like controversy. How many of you thrive in controversy? You love chaos. You love question. What does this mean that it's without controversy? You realize there there are things that have always been understood as absolute. That from, from, from the moment the apostles arrived at the tomb of Jesus and found it empty. This has been without controversy. And from generation to generation to generation to generation, we as Bible-believing people understand that this is absolute truth. That God was manifest in the flesh. That He was justified in the Spirit that he was seen of angels, that he was preached unto the Gentiles, that he was believed on in the world, that he was received up into glory. None of this is questionable. Yeah, amen. It's all absolute. Yes, it is. Inarguable. Tonight, I want you to come back because I want to show you something that will blow your minds. It's incredible. But it's without controversy. I remember years ago, I was studying 
some Islamic studies for a degree and uh, understanding, you know, how to, how to uh, just apologetics, for lack of a better term, you know, trying to understand what they believe and so we can reason with them from the word of God. You know, there's a controversy amongst Muslims today that Jesus actually, he didn't die on the cross. That at the very last minute, Judas was brought in and exchanged for Christ. And instead of Jesus dying on the cross, Judas was actually the one who died. But the question we ask, when have we ever not believed that Jesus was born in a manger? When do we ever not believe that Christ lived a sinless life? When have we ever not believed that, that Jesus didn't die on the cross? When do we ever believe that Jesus didn't rise from the dead? These, these things have always been without controversy. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. You know, as we come to the word of God this morning, in light of, maybe we should rename it from Christmas Day to Incarnation Day. Whether or not he actually was born that day or not, I don't know. But it's without controversy it happened. I have stood in the place where it's believed that it happened. It's incredible. But great is the mystery of, of, of godliness without controversy. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you, there's some controversy in your heart concerning these things. Well, I want to help you settle that controversy today and take rest in God's word. And very, just basically, this is, no ingenious outline this morning. I don't know if I'd ever describe myself as ingenious anyway. But very simply, from the word of God, let's allow God's word to settle the controversy this morning. Notice the first truth we see concerning this great mystery of godliness is that God was manifest in the flesh. Look there in verse 16. God was manifested in the flesh. We've already read John chapter 1 and verse 14. The Bible says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want you to look back in, in the book of Matthew, if you would please. In Matthew The Bible says this in verse number 23 of Matthew chapter number 1. says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Christians, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God actually was with us. 
In Colossians, I want you to turn over with me, if you would please, to Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians chapter number 1. I want to read you a statement written by Major Ian Thomas. He makes a statement. He says Jesus had to, had, to, had to come as he came to be what he was, both God and man. He had to be what he was to live as he lived, wholly dependent as a man on the Father as God. He had to live as he lived. He lived an absolutely holy life to do what he did. He gave that life first in service and then in sacrifice. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Colossians 1.15 says, Who, speaking of Jesus, this isn't a question. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Look over, flip over one page or across your page in Colossians chapter 2 in verse number 9. The Bible says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In one body, you, each of us, we have a body. Just imagine the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Consider this this morning, that God lives within you. What a remarkable reality that is. The Holy Spirit of God, at the moment of salvation, indwells you. You have all of God, as you'll ever have. Great is the mystery of godliness. I want you to look over in Hebrews chapter number 1. Hebrews chapter number 1, and notice what the Bible says in verse number 3. Concerning Jesus Christ, and that God was manifest in the flesh. The Bible says in verse 3, who being in uh, the brightness of his glory, notice, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had uh, by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is the express image of God. You know, there's a, a lot of doubters in the world today concerning Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that God was manifest in the flesh. Let it be without controversy. Notice the second truth we find back in 1 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 16. We also read that, that Christ was justified in the Spirit. That God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit. Now the word justified is the general word used for declaring a sinner righteous. It means to be vindicated. It means to be proved or pronounced righteous. And what, what God's word describes here is Christ as being righteous in many ways, doesn't it? I want you to look, we've, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse number 21, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Jesus Christ is righteous, uh, being Jesus is sinless. Even John the Baptist, as he saw Christ walking there along the seashore, said, Behold the Lamb of God 
which taketh away the sin of the world. And, and time and time again throughout the word of God, we find the truth that Jesus is righteous. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin. Do you realize that Jesus cannot sin? He could not sin. Though he were tempted by Satan in the wilderness, Christ is without sin. We have a great high priest that has passed into the heavenlies, Jesus, the Son of God. The Bible says that we can come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why? Because he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was never married. Jesus never had earthly children. Jesus never knew a woman. Jesus is the sinless, spotless Son of God. It's without controversy who knew no sin, that we, you and me, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. It's without controversy. It's unquestionable. It's it's inarguable. Even as Christ was paraded in that kangaroo cord and marched from, from place to place, He eventually landed before Pontius Pilate. And I remember standing there in the place where where Jesus was tried. You can visit it. You can go. You can go down to the pavement where Jesus was brutally beaten. A lesser man would have died simply from the flogging and the beating. But as he stood before Pilate, In John chapter 18, verse 38, the Bible says, Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? And we had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, concerning Christ, I find in him no fault at all. Yet they still crucified him. His life for mine, how could it ever be? Friends, sinful man crucified Christ. They scoffed him and falsely accused him. They made him a a spectacle as they paraded him around. They believed they had triumphed. They succeeded. They took his life. No, they didn't. Jesus gave it up. It is finished, and he gave up the ghost. He allowed himself to be nailed to that cross where he died not just for us, but as us. And the world thought they had succeeded. The Jews that nailed him to that cross for his claim to be God, which was without controversy. 
He is. Thought they had defeated him. Satan thought he had won. But may I tell you, he was justified in the Spirit. What does that even mean? Three days later, Christ rose from the dead, and that victory over sin and death was his justification in the Spirit. Christ vindicated in life and in death, boldly declared in Revelation chapter number 1, in verse number 18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Justified in the Spirit. Our God's not dead. That's right. Praise the Lord. Our God is not the God of the dead. That's right. He's the God of the living. Yes. Notice also back in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. As you read on, we, we come to the place where the Bible says that he was seen of angels. Now understand this: that angels are not the emphasis of this passage. Jesus is the emphasis of the passage. But angels have a great interest in the events that surround, that surround the incarnation, the crucifixion, the, the resurrection, the ascension, his intercession, and the coronation that is to come. Angels announce Christ's birth and heralded his coming. Tonight, you'll see the place they refer to as the shepherd's field. Or also commonly known as the field of Boaz. Where those shepherds gathered that night and watched their sheep, and all of a sudden there appeared to them a host, a heavenly host. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. They heralded his coming. The Bible says in, in Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 26, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Now understand that she's among women, she's not above women. She's not to be worshipped. She's a sinner just like us, needed salvation just like us. That's why Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, looked down at her and said, Woman, behold thy son. But we go on to say here, it says, And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou, art, thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt... Conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. The Bible tells us in, in Luke chapter 2. Again, we just referenced this, but in verses 8 through 11, it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Jesus was, was seen of angels. They ministered to him and his temptation in Matthew and Luke. They were there during his agony in Gethsemane. And after Jesus' resurrection, angels came down and intended the empty tomb and told the disciples where they could meet Jesus. They stood by Christ's disciples there as they stood at the top of the Mount of Olives and said that this same Jesus will return in like manner as you've seen him go up. Without controversy. Notice again, back in second, or 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse number 16, we also read here that Christ was preached unto the Gentiles. Which I'm thankful for, being one. Look what he says in verse number 16. It says, preached unto Gentiles. It's been said that the great mystery isn't why people believe, but it's why some people won't believe. For lack of time, we won't turn to every passage, but the book of Acts is filled with the gospel being preached unto the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 2, in ver- or in people believing, I'm sorry, Acts chapter number 8, if you would please turn there. Acts chapter number 8. In verse number 12, the Bible says, But when they believed, Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And Simon himself believed also, when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. They believed. In Acts chapter number 9, turn to Acts chapter 9 and verse number 42. I remember just a few few weeks ago eating dinner in this city, overlooking the, the Mediterranean. It says, and it was known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. In chapter 11 and verse number 21, the Bible says, and this uh, says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. In Acts chapter number 13, in verse number 12, the Bible says, Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Jesus was preached unto the Gentiles. Look what the Bible says in Acts chapter 14, in verse... Number seven, as Christ, I'm sorry, as Christ was preached there by Paul in, in Lystra and, 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 uh, and Derby like, and Lyconia, the Bible says of their ministry of Paul and Barnabas, it says, and there they preached the gospel. Jesus has been preached unto the Gentiles. Church, you and I are evidence of that. Christ has been preached 
under the Gentiles. But as we look back in chapter number 3 of 1 Timothy, in verse 16, we find not only was he preached unto the Gentiles, but he was believed on in the world. And we saw that great list of, of references of, of people believing. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. He was preached on in the world, believed on, I'm sorry, preached on to the Gentiles, believed on in the world. Notice finally this morning. He was received up into glory. Received up into glory. Look with me, if you would, to the book of Acts. In Acts chapter number 1. In verse number 1 of Acts 1, the Bible says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, in other words, the resurrection of Christ is without controversy. Being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining unto the kingdom of God. For 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, he made himself seen. He showed himself alive. Thomas as they were gathered, was able to reach out and touch Jesus' hands, he being a doubter. Jesus went in and he, he ate a meal with them. And they watched as he, as he ate. <laughs> because a ghost can't eat. He rose physically from the grave. But many infallible proofs. And as he stood there at the top of the Mount of Olives, he told his disciples, saying, but Ye shall receive power, in verse number 8, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And we had spoken these things while they beheld. He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. I remember standing there, obviously not with the disciples in Acts chapter number 1, but standing in this location. We don't know exactly where it happened. It was, I was on the top of the Mount of Olives. I know I had to be close. It was a sunny morning. Just 
considering that this is where Christ was received up into glory. I'm thankful that he's in heaven. The Bible tells us that he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. We're told that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. In Romans chapter 8 and verse number 34, it says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. In Hebrews chapter number 7 and verse 25, the Bible says, Wherefore he is, a, he is also able to save them to the uttermost that come to him, uh, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Because Christ is alive, he can save. And right now, he's occupying that right-hand position of his Father. And he's waiting. He's waiting for the Father to tell him it's time. You know, in Jewish custom, it was quite an or- marriage was quite an ordeal. There was the engagement, the betrothal, the ceremony, all of these things. I mean, they were a Jewish couple. They would get married, but they wouldn't move in together. They wouldn't immediately enter into that, the physical union of a husband and a wife. Instead, the husband would go back home and he would prepare a place for his spouse. And his father would would watch over the son as he and observe the son as he worked to to build this addition on the home. (laughs) Where he would bring his wife and they would make their dwelling together. And when the father was satisfied, when his work was up to snuff, when the drywall work was done, all the tape, all the mud, when you couldn't see the seams, when all the doors were properly hanged and you know, they didn't get stuck on the jam, but all, when, when everything was finished, the father would tell the son, it's time. You can go get her. Made, and, and nobody knew it could have been at midnight, just as the Lord shared the parable of the virgins with the lamps. Could have been any time. But the man would go and get his bride. Jesus said in John chapter number 14, He said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. 
it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. The Lord has a bride. You and I, the church, are his bride. Right now he's received up into glory. And it's there in glory that he prepares for us a place. And when the Father says it's ready, He's going to come and call us home. That where He is, there we may be also. I'm thankful for what the Bible says. In Acts chapter 1, notice, as we close this morning, it says, and while, in verse number 10, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which, said, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus is not going to be different it's not going to be somebody else. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Church, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. But I'm telling you, he's coming back. Are you ready? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. The question isn't whether or not he's going to prepare a place for you in general. It's specific. And if I go and prepare a place for you, is Jesus at this moment preparing your place? Do you know him as your Savior? You've got to trust in him. You've got to believe in him. Otherwise, there will be no place for you. But he's coming back. And may I tell you, when he does, that too will be without controversy. Because every eye shall see him. Friends, will you be ready? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I invite you to stand with me.